Welcome to Out of the Question, a podcast that looks behind some common questions and uncovers the question behind the question while providing real solutions for biblical world and life view. Your co-hosts are Pastor Steve Macias and Andrea Schwartz, a teacher and mentor. Hello all, today is November 8th, 2019, and I'm once again joined by my co-host, Father Steve Macias. How are you today, my friend? I am blessed by our Sovereign Lord. Well, that's good. I think we have an interesting question that came from one of our listeners who asks, what purpose do personality tests and tools like the Enneagram serve for Christians? I've heard some say that they're helpful in various ways, such as for employment, team building, and how to sell to different personality types. Others claim that there's no place for them in the life of a believer. They are of the opinion that these tests are not biblical and that the origins, at least of some of them, are for the occult. Steve, I know you're familiar with these tests. What do you think? Well, I think when we look at a personality tests, we should first you know, get behind it and ask, what is our goal in the personality tests? I know you, you mentioned that they're used by workplaces. And there are similar tests I've actually had to go through. And when I was a postulant working towards ordination, I had to do something called Strengths Finder. There were different personality tests that were attempting to find personality traits about you, where you were strong or where you were weak. You know, were you a procrastinator or were you somebody who got things done right away? And I think that that is the noble goal behind a lot of these tests, you know, an Enneagram or a Myers-Briggs. Every student who goes through a freshman sociology class at a community college has to, you know, find out what their, their Myers-Briggs test location is. And there can be noble ways to do that. But what I think is dangerous about them is we live in a world not shaped by personalities and free choice. Meaning it's not as though we're given a personality and then we're stuck in those personalities and therefore we are constrained in our decisions and choices by those personalities, but rather that we are given a certain agency of our Lord that's, that's uh, tainted by sin. And I don't see in any of these personality tests an acknowledgement that you are in the very core of your being desperately wicked and totally depraved. Uh, that's never a, a result of the Myers-Briggs. It's never a result of the Enneagram or Strengths Finder. None of them ever come back and say, you know what? Your heart's unclean. <laughs> you need to uh, find your, your, your heart melted by the Lord. So I think the danger is that they try to find uh, some divine spark in you, some you know, Thomistic identity that you are valuable in and of yourself, and therefore we need to just find the good things about you and everything will work out. I agree, and I also think that maybe the bigger question behind our listeners' question is, is the Bible sufficient? If we can't use biblical standards to evaluate people and we go outside of them, are we saying that we need something other and extra to be able to know whether someone will be a good spouse, a good employee, a good team member? Sure. No, I, th I think that that's the, a great question. And the question that, the, or the way the Bible puts it, I should say, uh, is not in terms of personality types, but in spiritual gifts, right? Each of, uh, every one of us belong to this kind of mystical body, and Christ has given us certain gifts 
that match our destiny or, or future or his providence for our life. Now, that's a little bit different than a personality test because in the scripture, your personality doesn't always match God's calling. In fact, there are many times that your personality, who you are naturally, doesn't match the calling that God has given you. For example, uh, we think of, of, of Moses, right? This man who is proclaiming the law of God, who's speaking to the Pharaoh, who's ruling the people, this, this leader. And there's doubt in Moses. He says, my personality is not really like this. I, I have trouble speaking. I, I'm not supposed to go in front of the people. The personality does not determine God's calling on your life. Uh, Christ and the Holy Spirit, the Great Commission, determines the calling on your life. I think the danger of personality tests is that it might give you an excuse to not find the calling in God's life because it's difficult for you. Well, let's go back to the actual word. Okay, we all know what the word person means, although in our day, depending on if you're inside or outside the womb, some people are confused about that. But a person, most people who are listening are going to identify that as an individual made in the image of God, and as you said earlier, is in need of redemption. But when we get into the idea of personality, we're really looking at externals. He's a very outgoing person, or she's shy, or this person is industrious, or this person tends to be more of a follower than a leader. And a lot of that isn't always based on biblical standards. And I think the model might be in a culture that's so heavily saturated in media who are the people, the actors, the personalities, was what we call them, who are the secular standard for what's good and what's not good, what's capable and what's not capable. Right. When I was uh, about 20 years old, I, I joined a new company, and we did one of these, these personality tests that doesn't use biblical categories. It doesn't even follow the Myers-Briggs or, or the Enneagrams model. Uh, what they had done was they had assigned personality types nautical themes so like you know shipping and boating themes and they had given us a, a personality test and mind you this is i'm coming into a new job and so i have no idea how they're going to use this personality test and so it asks you questions like do you feel like you get things done on time well if your boss is looking over your shoulder and you're filling out a personality test i'm going to put yes i get things on time <laughs> right and so the we go through this entire test it takes us you know two hours and they give us a talk about you know personality types and what the results might be. And the result I got was, was tugboat. That's my personality type was, was tugboat. You know, the person who pulls the big boat into the, into the bay or out of the bay. And I remember thinking of how easy it was during that test to come out with the answer that I wanted going in, right? So much of personality tests uh, don't necessarily reveal what's really in us, but what we idealize ourselves to be. And since we're a, a culture of, of narcissists who, who really believe that we are the best and that everybody else <laughs> needs to be like us, uh, there's a danger in personality types of casting ourselves in our own image. The scripture says, be not wise in your own eyes. But every personality test is saying, let's find what's wise and what's great about you and put that onto the world around you. And I know that um, I'm familiar with the Myers-Briggs, which, like you said, every college student does in sociology class. And it's so easy if you know what's being looked at, how to give answers that 
basically will give a false impression of even who you are. But let's suppose you have people who are just answering it honestly. I've seen ridiculous things, things like people who were obviously caring and nurturing. I had seen that in their life being told you shouldn't deal with children you should be an airline pilot. And I remember laughing with this person because the last thing in the world she or anybody who knows her would say she's likely to be was an airline pilot. So it, it not only begs the question, by what standard are they using things, but then who are the people who are even applying this standard, which no doubt is completely arbitrary. Yes, and, and that's really the, the root of this, is that it's certainly arbitrary. Uh, it's not connected to a biblical anthropology, right? The people putting together the Myers-Briggs or the, the Enneagram or the Strengths Finder, or a lot of these different tests, they're not starting with spiritual gifts. And they're looking at personality traits as though that there's this like inventory of personality traits and that humans somehow are a collection of various personality traits, which we know not to be true. Uh, there's no uh, genetic identity to being kind, or there's no genetic identity to being nurturing. There, there's, there's nothing in your, 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 your DNA that's going to predispose you to you know, these personality traits. But what I dislike about, about this type of thinking is that it's attractive because it can offer an excuse for behavior. For example, in our culture, and me as somebody under 30, there's a temptation to follow acceptable social conditions, right? So, for example, it's very popular, and I don't know why, to say that you're introverted, right? To say, oh, I, I'm really introverted, and, and I like to you know, be by myself, and I'm really uncomfortable speaking in front of other people. It's like trendy. You know, you can join Facebook groups about being an introvert. Uh, you can find compatriots who also share the introversion gene or personality trait. But I know, because uh, of what I've read in the scripture and what I've seen in my life, that I have a calling to go and share the gospel with other people. That's not necessarily an introverted task. In fact, there are some things in my life that the Lord expects me to do where introversion as a personality trait is sin. And what I think that the risk of Myers-Briggs or Enneagram or any personality tests is it's giving you an excuse not to do what God has called you to do because now you're saying, well, that's just not who I am. I'm, I'm introverted, so I could never be the person in the front leading the church. You know, there are lots of Sunday mornings when I wake up and I wish I could allow my fleshly introversion to control how other people saw me, but I still got to get up in the pulpit. <laughs> I still got to give that sermon. I still got to shake everybody's hands. And the, the reality is that despite my personality, the Lord is transforming me, changing me, renewing my mind uh, because of the mission he has for me. So when we're talking personalities. We could talk about inclinations, preferences, comfort zones, comfort levels. But I think we have um, sort of institutionalized in our thinking things like, he's a type A personality, or that person is passive aggressive, or all these other things. And as you put it earlier, we're not really identifying in terms of that wasn't kind, that wasn't gracious, that wasn't treating other people the way you would want to be treated. This is a violation of God's law. So as soon as we bring in these other categories, it's very easy 
to default to that's just the way I am, well, you know, Mr. Rogers is back in the news and Mr. Rogers loved everybody just the way they were. Well, I don't think Jesus loves us just the way we are. He loves us enough to transform us into like him. So we don't have to have this idea that says I am who I am and you must accept me for that. We must strive to be more Christ-like and look in terms of, all right, this is the temperament that God gave me. Not everybody is a very vocal and outgoing person, but that doesn't mean outgoing is better than someone who's quiet. You're supposed to judge them by their fruits, not by how they present themselves when you're not really knowing them very well. That's right. And, and you mentioned uh, having some kind of standard. And the reality is that when we choose to embrace any of these type of personality quizzes and their results, then we're using that as a kind of standard of who we see ourselves as. And we're going to read the rest of our life in terms of those results. My mother-in-law, I'm going to pick on her for a minute. She did these uh, Myers-Briggs tests you know, about 10 years ago. And so she had us go through them as well and, and asked us to figure out our personality types. And then she comes back to us a little while later and said, so what was your, your personality type? And I said, oh, my personality type is Scorpio. And I, I meant it to be mocking her because I didn't think the Myers-Briggs was all that helpful. But there's some truth into my joke there. Uh, you know, in the 1970s, people controlled their financial decisions or their their dating situations, some of their, their life decisions based around an astrological sign. Now, even today, you can pick up a, a local newspaper or even national newspapers, go to the horoscope section, and there are people who read this every day who look for a personality type associated with an astrological symbol. You know, I'm Pisces or, or I'm a Aries. And they give them an answer. They say, you know, today you'll have a a happy day, you're going to have somebody in your life who's going to encourage you. And then so what you do in your mind is you associate that as your standard and you go through your day and you're saying, all right, today something's going to happen because my astrological sign happened to say it will happen. The same thing is true of these, these Meyer Briggs. If you take the test and it says, oh, you're introverted or, or you're, you're rational or gives you some type of definition of how to interpret your life, some standard of who you should be, you're going to begin living your life that way. Now, the scripture has its own standard of personality and gifts and spiritual identity. And it says that we find that not by taking an inventory test, but by serving and actively participating in the Christian body. You know, how do you find if you have a gift for teaching? You go and you volunteer at Sunday school. How do you find if you have a, a gift for exhortation? You exhort, right? You, you have to find your gifts by participating in the body of Christ. No test can reveal the experience that the Holy Spirit is going to give you in serving the body of Christ. All right. When you were talking about astrology, I thought about when my husband and I go to a local Chinese restaurant, their little placemats are the... Chinese, you know, the year of the rat, the scorpion, the horse, whatever. And it's all according to birth year. And it tells you the characteristics and who you'd be compatible with and who you wouldn't. And we laugh because the people we know who are not supposed to be compatible based on this particular chart are married and have been happily married for a very long time. So 
anytime we want to default to something gimmicky, and I don't know how many people put a lot of trust in that, but what we're doing is we're really saying, as our, our questioner asked, is are we saying that God's word isn't sufficient for us to understand how to relate to ourselves, how to relate to other people, and know where compatibility is going to come in? Yeah, that's really the question that the, the question's asking, right, is if our personalities are something we're interested in discovering, what does the scripture say? And I think we can go to the writing of St. Paul, and we can look at First Corinthians, and we can see that you are an essential part of the body. And that's really what, what people are trying to figure out with these personality tests. They're trying to figure out, how do I match with the people around me? And they're looking for maybe a shortcut to find people that they'd have an easier time matching with. And the reality is, we can see this in marriages, we can see this in working relationships, that God will put people in your life that don't match your personality type on purpose. In fact, God will bless you by putting people together who are complementary, right? So if, you, if your spiritual strengths are a certain way, God will surround you with people that, to remind you of your weaknesses. Uh, anybody who's married knows this very well. If, if in your marriage, um, you reveal to your other, your significant other, your weaknesses, they will continually remind you of them, not because you're incompatible, but because the Lord uses those who are different than us to fulfill us, to make us whole, to improve us. That's why the scripture says, iron sharpens iron. The purpose of our life as Christians forming one body is not that each and every one of us has what's needed to get the job done, but that we fulfill the Great Commission by becoming one body, by fulfilling a part of the body of Christ. So I don't exactly remember the source, but I'm pretty sure somebody could do a search online. But the people who put together the Myers-Briggs assessment were not necessarily people who were culling through years or decades of understanding of the human being. They were just sort of arbitrary in themselves. So the real question to ask is, who are the people who put it together? Do I value their opinion or point of view? And for what purpose ultimately is this being done? And what comes to mind for me, and some of our listeners know this, some might not, my husband and I were involved in Scientology for a number of years. And one of the ways Scientology gets new people into their organizational framework and taking their courses and buying their services is by giving a free personality test. Now, the interesting part about this personality test is at the end of it, you have someone who's going to evaluate it for you. Very few people, when I was there, I don't know if they still do this, but when I was there, very few people asked for the credentials or why should I trust what you say? But in every case, the results of this personality test matched up with why the person needed to join Scientology. So there was never going to be somebody who at the end of this test, they looked at it and said, you don't belong here. You should go back to church or something like that. They always said, this is what this leads to. And so a lot of these things are manipulative in as much as they're trying to get people to either value one thing over another or be able to control people once those people come to work there or come to be affiliated with an organization because you've just told somebody what your weaknesses are. And that's, right. of course, if you told the truth while you were answering those questions, which is 
always up for grabs because do people tend to tell the truth? <laughs> yes, that's, that's the question there. And when we talk about the origins of these tests, and of course, in all of these personality tests, there's this uh, psychological identity that's at the origin, the idea that, that we're thinking beings rather than spiritual beings, which is a very dangerous thing that somehow the mind or the spirit can be divided into rational categories uh, is not necessarily a Christian idea. You know, we were created in the image of God. And so our identity of ourself is something that is found in understanding who God is, not necessarily in digging deeper into ourselves. And as we talk about origins, there's a certain irony that exists here because Myers-Briggs itself, you know, is less, maybe it's about a hundred years old now, but it's only about a hundred years old. And it's founded upon kind of uh, the work of Carl Jung, uh, who understood kind of psychological archetypes. So these were kind of ideas that you recognize there are certain motifs or certain identities that exist throughout literature, throughout identities. You know, things like the idea of a mother exists as a biological reality, but it also exists as somebody who is nurturing, who cares for their children, and it exists in you know various different cultures. It's a it's an archetype that exists across cultures, across religious identities. And so what personality tests are looking for is kind of these universal archetypes. What's strange to me, and I think kind of ironic, is that the scripture and its kind of universal archetypes, things like mother, father, head of house, teacher, you know, these ideas that the scripture gives out or saying these are a reflection of the body of Christ are largely rejected by people who are searching for the personality type uh, through Myers-Briggs. Now, what if the Lord is, is calling you to be your personality type is a mother and, in fact, gave you a biological function to go with that? Not only is it a personality type, but you were given the biological tools to be a mother, the, the hormonal identity, the spiritual identity, they've all put inside of you. You don't need a Myers-Briggs to find that out. But so much of our culture is grasping for little tiny pieces or little kernels of truth of who they are when the reality of you were called to be a mother of children is right in front of them and they can't seem to pick that out. Yet they can find little nuances through questionnaires about being a caring person. It's a very strange juxtaposition. So it's attempting to help people identify their callings when I submit that you're born with your calling. If you're male, the Bible has all sorts of things that apply to males. If you're female, all sorts of things that apply to females. And then there are things that are required and identified as being important for all people. So when I was born, my calling was being a daughter. I, I didn't create that calling. I assumed that calling as soon as I was born. And as I grew, then it became, you know, I was also a sister or I was a friend. And there were these family ties in terms of I was somebody's niece or somebody's granddaughter. I, I didn't have to figure out what I was. And yet in a day when people reject biblical standards, people spend a lot of time trying to figure themselves out what they're supposed to be. And it's gotten so bad that we're at the point where People can't even look in the mirror anymore and examine themselves physically and know this is what I am because we have rejected the fact that we don't decide what our future should be. What we should be doing is discovering what God created us to be. 
That's right. So one of the greatest uses, you've mentioned it a couple of times, one of the, the most popular uses, I should say, of these personality tests is, am I going to be compatible with my spouse? I know I've been to a bunch of different clergy things where they say, when you're doing marriage counseling, you should have them each do a personality test to see if they match. And there are Christian personality tests and secular ones. But very rarely, and this is back to the sufficiency of the scripture question, do people in our culture wonder, does God have a standard for what courtship and marriage should be? And they're ready and willing to go after a personality test, some arbitrary standard, but unwilling to say, all right, is this person a good character? Are they, have they been married or divorced before? Are they obedient to God's law? Are they part of the believers or are they part of the unbelievers, right? There's a very clear cut standard in the scripture of who you can be married to, but we're willing to overlook God's very clear and wise standards uh, and instead look for these aloof and strange and mysterious personality tests that might work out. You know, I often think back and I say, hmm, I wonder what kind of personality, what it was like to work side by side by the Apostle Paul or any one of the apostles. Would we have found them to fit into the categories that today are held as being better than others? Or are we to judge them the way the scripture presents them and that we look at their actions and their activities and their times of falling down and their times of getting back up. And we, we hold the biblical template to them that it isn't so much what shows on the outside. It's what emerges from the inside. Yes, that's right. And I think you also have to recognize that the temptations of our culture for what is a valuable personality are depending on the, the spirit of the age, right? So, for example, if you look at a marriage amongst the patriarchs, there's a, a, a new uh, reformed teacher who has a, a new series out on Amazon who talks about personality in the sense of a marriage. And he has a, a series that's talking about the idea of, of servant leadership. And so if I say servant leadership at Google, or if I say servant leadership at Whole Foods, or I say servant leadership at First Baptist Church down the street, all of them can agree that that would be a, a good personality trait, that this person is a, a servant leader. They have a servant heart. But that's a, a personality trait that matches the spirit of this age. The, this, this reformed speaker talks about the personality trait that we would attach to Abraham, the one given by Abraham's wife, was not a, a servant leader, but a Lord. Uh, his personality trait of Abraham was that he was assertive. He was Lord. He was called Lord by his wife. He was a strong leader who wouldn't really match the CEOs of Google or Whole Foods or the First Baptist Church today. And so we have to be careful that our ideals for what are good personality traits are coming from the example of the saints in the Bible, the patriarchs of the Bible, not necessarily the saints of our culture, uh, or I should say, the, the false sense of our culture. You think about, I, I was joking with a man recently in terms of how you judge things. How many fathers would want their daughters to date Samson? Probably not too many. However, Samson is held up in scripture, is one of those who acted by faith. Or if you really look into the life of King David, there are times where he is using subterfuge in order to advance his own cause. And obviously God blesses that. So I think sometimes we look for nice as if nice is a 
reliable biblical term. I don't think you ever find nice in the scripture. I think you find kind. I think you find persevering. I think you find treating others the way you want to be treated. But it's all in the context of the law. If we throw out the law, then what we're left is whoever is deemed the smartest setting the standard. That's right. And it's the, it's the question is, is God's standard um, an ethical one or is it an aesthetic one? Is God concerned with how people view you, right? That you match their personality standards or is God concerned with how he is viewed or how the individual is viewed by God? I think that's really the most important question is that the Christian life is not going to be judged by necessarily how well we work with those around us, but how well we are obedient to God's commands, how well we look in terms of God's standards. That's what's really uh, going to matter. And the challenge before us as, as Christians in this particular age is getting over uh, the accolades of the world. Uh, so many of us are so desperate and hungry for approval from the wrong people. We want we want our our certificates and diplomas and <laughs> and our recognition to come from the universities, from the institutions of this world, and we're willing to submit our personalities in the same way. We're willing to be known for having, as you say, nice personalities rather than being known as people who honor the word and our own word. Right. So when, when we talk about these tests, it's really, how do I look on paper? And that's the same thing with a resume, which is a bunch of words on a paper or letters after your name. Um, I think you and I both having had recent experience with interviewing people that pretty soon as you talk with somebody, regardless of what credentials they have earned, besides having to say, well, where did these credentials come from and what was the standard on which they were given, pretty soon you find out if you recognize the spirit of God in someone. And since that's the criteria that we're looking for in terms of the work that we do, that it means that you have to know what it means to see the fruits of the spirit and not say, well, you know, it's okay to have just one, but not the other. No, if you're born again in Jesus Christ, all those gifts are present. Some might need to be more developed in your life than others, but it's not like we default to, well, I'm somebody who exhorts, but I'm not very charitable. The point is we're supposed to do it all because we're empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now, some people might do it better than others, but it doesn't mean that we ever get a, a, a situation or a default where we say, well, that's just not how God made me. Well, he's called you to do certain things and you have the Holy Spirit. You are equipped to do those things. That's right. And you mentioned this at the top of our talk, but it's, it's a matter of, of personality. And the Christian life and the, the incarnation of Christ is about Christ taking personhood, right? Him coming down and taking human flesh. And, and the Apostle Paul tells us that in the context of our own person, the flesh person I am today, that it's that person no longer lives, but the person of Christ lives in me. And so as we're filling out personality tests, our temptation not, should not be to have the people around us work around our fleshly identity, but rather to continually tear off and tear apart that fleshly man and reveal the person of Christ that has been put in your heart. Indeed. 
Um, any recommendations on things for people to pursue or to research in order to get a greater handle on this? Well, I think you're going to probably recommend our book on maturity uh, from Dr. Rush Juni. Uh, Revolt Against Maturity. Revolt Against Maturity. Yes, yes. <laughs> and so uh, that's available from Calcedon. It's an important understanding for us to know that there is a struggle in our culture to avoid responsibility, to avoid self-governance. And the temptation in personality tests is to avoid the growth that God has for you. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, listeners. Send your questions and your suggestions in. We really like them. Out of the question podcast at gmail.com. And Steve, I'll talk to you next time. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Out of the Question. For more information on this and other topics, please visit calcedon.edu.